0: Yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. Where is everybody? It's very quiet. Wait, 42 women are not here and their husbands stayed home? <laughs> well, we are a little bit light this morning, but, but that only means that you just have a little bit more room to move around and be comfortable. And, uh, but that just also means that you've got to make up for it in the singing. So sing for two people this morning. Why don't we rise and sing together? We're going to sing when we all get to heaven.
1: See and shout for victory While we walk the field God's pathway we're we'll moving Spread the stars But when driving these are over Now shall not sigh But we are Sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting so every day. Just one last him in glory. To the prize before us Soon His beauty will be whole Soon the burning hey, gates will open We shall tread the streets of gold right we'll When we all get to Him What day of a that will be When we all see Jesus blessing sing and shout to His
2: Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning and won't that be an incredible day when we step through the gates of heaven. Amen. Amen. As we open in prayer this morning, as Chris alluded to, we do have 42 ladies that have gone to Uh, the ladies retreat and they are heading back about right now. So I want to make sure we lift up uh, the prayers for safe travel on these wet roads as they all get back home and and come back to us excited and energized, I'm hoping, as to what God's doing in our life. But let's make sure they get back here safely. Amen. But let's go to Lord in prayer. Father God, I do come before you. Thank you for this time we could gather in your house. Uh, Thank you that we have these ladies that have gone to to just refresh and renew their minds and to, to seek out how, what it means to be that prayer warrior, to be the person of God you called them to be, both to their families and to their communities, Lord God. Father, just uh, pray as you, as you have filled them with your word that you now bring them back home safely. Bring them all back here and may we just have a, a joyous, uh, coming together later on this day as we see our loved ones come back home and God just bring them here in haste but in in safety is what I pray Lord and as we have gathered in this place Father may you pour out your anointing upon us may we truly lift up our eyes onto you and may you in heaven be able to look down and say those are my children down there and may we truly worship you and glorify your name and may you pour out your anointing upon us and edify us as well and may each one of us leave the church today saying that it's been good not just to go to a building but to go to your house and stand in your presence O lord may your will be done this day in jesus holy name we pray amen amen Amen. it's good seeing everybody this morning it ought to be easy to walk around today since everybody so many missing but walk around shake somebody's hand let them know it's good to see them in god's house this morning says you can't have fun in church amen Amen. Uh, I got just a just a couple announcements here real quick Uh, praise the Lord like I said we have the ladies coming back from their their ladies retreat to keep them in your prayers also if you was not able to make it to the vacation bible school meeting last week that's okay they had a great meeting and if you are would are interested in being a part of vacation bible school in one fashion or another just get with uh uh wendy or sherry wendy or sherry this week or at some point just let them know that you want to get on that list and and if there's some specific that you are feel talented or you would like to do let them know that as well so as they're ne- negotiating how to to present everything and put everybody in the right place and they're praying over who's going to do what they need to know what all names are going to be there to the best of their ability so if god's laid that on your heart i want to encourage you to do that yes ma'am miss judy sure Are you on a tiptoe? <laughs> okay, Amen. Sorry, that was Brian. Bad, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, women only, though. Yes, it's women's Bible study. Amen. Okay, thank you for that. the um, The only other thing I want to point out again is the uh, men's fishing re- trip retreat and women's spa that's coming up. Uh, if you would like to help uh, sponsor anyone to go to that, please get with me. We stu- do have a couple still that would uh, could use the scholarship if you would like to be a part of that. Okay, that's enough of the announcements this morning. David said he was going to go incredibly long, so we're going to skip the scripture reading today as well. <laughs> now let me pray with you, brother. Father God, I do lift up my brother to you. And as we have come here this morning, Lord, may we hear you through him as he speaks to us this day. Father, may he just share what you've laid on his heart and thank you for his willingness and his obedience in sharing in what you've laid on him. May we hear you in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Thank Amen. you. Good morning, church. Good morning. There used to be a guy named David Kobath that would witness to a telephone post. But He did it in his own power. So today and nowadays, I witness and talk about the Lord and the Holy Spirit. That pride of mine would get in the way too often. So if you don't come on Thursdays, we're a couple of weeks away maybe from wrapping up the book of Mark. And I'm going to start... I believe the Lord has laid the book of uh, uh, the First John, the book of First John, to go over. And I actually thought it'd be a quick study. I don't think it's going to be very quick at all. So um, I'm going to start today in First John chapter one, verse five. I'm going to read through nine. It might be up there. And and uh, I brought the real Bible, as Stormy would say. It's in the King James. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. I know everybody's heard that verse 9 plenty of times. Probably a lot of sermons have been preached on it. I'm going to, I am going to take a couple of minutes here to go over what we just read. In, in verse uh, 5, Christ died on the cross for all who call on him. And that message is of Jesus. John says, and he declares, God is light by nature is spirit God is also love no darkness found in him and he mentions none at all in verse 6 we say claim fellowship with Christ but walk in darkness so do we claim fellowship in Christ and walk in darkness do we walk in the world with the world Because if that's the fact, John says, we're liars. We are not in God's truth or light. If you are living in sin, you are not walking with God. Again, John says, you're a liar. They think this book, this epistle right here, might have been written about 90 AD and and if if that's the case John's a pretty old guy here but he's not pulling any punches he's he's delivering a message through this, this little letter and it is a salvation message but this message is really written to people that claim Christ there's a lot of correcting going on here Verse 7, walking in the light is living in the word of God. I took this word fellowship and of course we have fellowship with one another. We want fellowship with one another. But fellowship is more than friendship. Fellowship is more than a shared interest. Fellowship is being fixed on God. That's the fellowship he's talking about. Her eyes are fixed on the Lord. In all we say, in all we think, and all we do. So the question is, do you let the light of God shine on your heart and spirit? We must walk in the light to have fellowship with Christ. If that is real super obvious what I'm saying, so... I'm not pointing at you guys. Because if I was, I promise you, people that know me know the dark side I've lived in. So those three fingers are coming right back at me. And this is really to ask yourself. He calls us little children. Well, little children, are you of the light and are you in the light? But if we walk, and if yes we do walk now, within the blood of Christ, through repentance, it'll cover us of our sins. Right now, I have a little vibration going through my body. And that little vibration is, is nerves. And I've actually almost bragged that I don't get nervous up here. And I'm not nervous being up here in front of you guys. All of these remarks are a daily, maybe hourly, maybe minutely uh, subject covering me. And the sin that, do I sin or do I not? Do I walk in the light of God or do I not? And so, again, these remarks that he's making, they are to the brothers and sisters of Christ. Verse 8 says, John says, You are lying to yourself if anyone thinks we don't sin. Again, you are lying to yourself. The truth is not in us, in you and me. We are all sinners. We as a society can change laws. I think this is the part that makes me the most nervous. But God's morals... Explained here in my Bible and what your Bible should be, they don't change. The precepts and the standards that God has given us to live, they're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. They're the same when He put them out in front of Moses. They're the same when He told Adam and Eve how to live. They're the same. They haven't changed. Sin is still sin. We ask ourselves, well, what is a sin? Lying, cheating, stealing, all that stuff is still wrong. As I go into verse 9, I just ask, is the truth in you? Again, we've heard this verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because of the verses leading up to this verse, we must first call on Christ as our Savior. Because he's not going to hear our prayers if we're not someone that's called on him to be our Lord and Savior. John says, confess and repent. Because Jesus is faithful and true to forgive all our sins. John includes his self and all of us in this verse. And to make us pure and clean from all sin and from all righteousness. In a little while, Frank is going to preach. He used to take a long time. He's really backed off. He puts the sermon out. If you weren't here three years ago, I'm telling you right now, he could preach. I think I need to go over that subject again. I don't get a response. And he'd do it again. That's a fact. We'd be in here a long time. I think the Lord has laid something different on his heart today. He preaches the message and says, the Holy Spirit's going to work on you or it's not. My words, his words are not going to change your mind and purify your heart, cleanse your heart and bring you to the Lord. But the Holy Spirit work on you when you hear those words that are straight out of God's Bible, God's word, God's truth, the light himself, put these here for us to read. That's what's going to change somebody's mind and cleanse their heart. Because the Bible says we have a pastor, uh, we, 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 we have a great pastor. The Bible says that we have a, a, a God that is faithful and just. I'll close with the hope we all ask for that forgiveness that God has promised through Jesus Christ. Thank you. I'd like to pray with us right quick. Father in heaven, this, this message, though it, 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 its simplicity in words is true, but Lord, for someone, to bend that knee and call on you to be his Lord and Savior. And to become the man or woman that God has asked them to be. To, to, to learn to, to uh, your faithfulness and justice is true. But to learn to make us good stewards, good disciples, men and women that, that our words won't tell who we are but our actions and our deeds will. I I pray that we can learn, if it's minute by minute or day by day or year by year, to become those men and women of Christ. I pray for this in in the faithful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thanks, David. Thank you. Anybody Anybody? sometimes get distracted, especially Sunday morning church when you're thinking about what's going on in the afternoon, or what's going to happen next, or what's going on outside right now, stuff like that? Well, stop. it. My point is this, in this moment I would like for us to, as a church, commit for at least the next 45 minutes to be without a distraction as much as possible. Okay, so I'm just going to give us a moment. We're going to start playing. You guys can join us and sing and just allow the music, allow the words to to focus you on God and nothing else. Don't let any other distraction creep in for the next few minutes. All right, let's sing together.
1: Lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested, my life began. Dash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My open heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, grace, washes over you have made me new Now life begins with you It's your end from my chain, I'm a prisoner, no more. my chain was arrested, he paid for it for, He canceled my debt, and he called me yesterday, when death was arresting, might I be there? Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost
0: say a little bit repetitive but sometimes we need that. Amen. So we're going to sing a song called Waymaker this morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: you are here move
2: it great that God has gifted us with a praise team that is willing to come and practice and share and lead us to come find and know that he is the waymaker. amen <laughs> miracle worker hallelujah hallelujah if you have your Bibles this morning turn to the book of Esther turn to the book of Esther now as we get there this morning let me share with you why God put me into this direction I think This week, as you know, the ladies are all at the, many ladies are at the ladies' retreat. And as I was praying for them this week, one of the thoughts that came to me was how Carla always looked forward to the ladies' retreats. And how many times, whether it be a youth retreat, a ladies' retreat, she would be there in the bus with me, and she would come sit on the stairs of the bus, and we would talk. And we'd just talk and we'd discuss things. And it's, it's um, you know, it's no secret, I think Carla it was pro- probably, if not my best friend, she was a very close friend. And we would, we would just discuss things of the Lord and we'd talk about problems with the youth usually, or problems in my life, or problems in her life. And, but we always came back to what was one of her most favorite verses Because she'd always say, well, Frank, you and me both, for such a time as this, God has placed us in this spot. And we'd always end up those discussions. And I'd always smile and say yes. After our tragedy here, that became one of Sherry and I's mantras, if you will, for such a time as this. We've been called to this place. And Carla's face would always be there. Kind of speaking those words. And as I was thinking about that this week, I thought, for such a time as this, how many people do not really understand what that actually means, but also too... How God, as we just saying how he is the way maker, the miracle worker that brings those kinds of things together that choreographs our lives for such a time as this. For it's not just about the pastor or just about a deacon, it's not just about a yeoman or a single individual here or there, a Bible study leader here or there. All who call on the name of Jesus Christ are within his grasp to be used for such a time as this, Amen all things are in his hands. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And that's what I think we will see in this message this morning. It's going to be a little different. I'm going to use most of the, the, the time that I have this morning to kind of speak to you and share with you the story of Esther. And then we're going to apply it at the end in, in, a, in a fashion that we will understand for such a time as this, that our God is still and forever will be King of Kings, Lord of Lords, regardless of whether or not we acknowledge it or not, or whether we choose to be used by him or not he is still and will always be lord of lords king of kings whether I understand it or not whether I understand the situation or the circumstance or not whether I understand why he would choose me or you or someone else is beyond beside the point for such a time as this God calls those to step up and be used in a way that he has already choreographed them to be used amen Amen. and that's what I want us to look at this morning because Esther though she is it's well known to Bible readers, if you will, that she was the woman who saved her, herself and her people, the Jews, from the man named Haman. He wanted to kill the Jews. He wanted to, to 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 take it all, take them all off the picture, and he would have succeeded if it had not been for Esther. Well, actually, no, no, no. He would have succeeded if God had not intervened. Amen. Amen. E- Esther. We like to say that Esther saved the Jews, however, it wasn't Esther, it was God who did so. Esther was simply the beauty queen that was in the service of the king of kings and lord of lords, amen? Amen. When we take a closer look at the Old Testament book of Esther, I think that we'll also see, I think it illustrates, if you will, the story of Jesus' ascension The cross, in other words, uh, I mean, from the cross, I think when we read Esther, it will prove to us. And what I'd like to share, what I hope it speaks to us this morning, what I feel as though God laid on my heart, it spoke to me this week, is that God reigns over all things for the benefit of His people, all things, not just a few, not just in people's lives, not just in this, that, or the other. He can take and use all things. To bring about what he has foreordained. What he has prepared to be done. He can take and move and use all things around us. Look at the story this morning. In chapter 6. Starting in verse 1. That night, that night sleep escaped the king. So he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought to be read to the king. They found the written report of how Mordecai had informed on Bethania and Teres, the two eunuchs who guarded the king's entrance, when they planned to assassinate King Asherahs. The king inquired, What honor and special recognition has been given to Mordecai for this act? And the king's personal attendants replied, Nothing has been done for him. And the king asked, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's attendants answered him, And see, Haman is standing right outside. Well, have him come in. Have him enter, the king ordered. Haman entered, and the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king wants to honor? Haman thought to himself, who is the king would want to honor more than me? Haman told the king, for the man the king wants to honor, have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn and a horse the king himself has ridden, which has a royal diadem on it. Put the garment on in uh, the horse, excuse me, put the garment and the horse under the charge of one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor. Parade him on the horse throughout the city square and proclaim before him, this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. The king told Haman, hurry and do just as you propose. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai the Jew who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave out anything you have suggested. So Haman took the garment and the horse, he clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, crying out before him, this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman, overwhelmed, hurried off for home with his head covered. Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, if Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, befall, is Jewish, you won't overcome him because your downfall is certain. While they were still speaking with him, the eunuchs of the king arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. Now let's stop there for just a minute. Let me explain this story just a little bit, and also with the explanation. I want to talk about and move into what really was going on here. The true story of Esther takes place about 480 years before Jesus. This is about 50 years or so after Daniel. We're studying Daniel in the mornings in our Sunday morning class. We're studying Ezekiel in our Sunday evening class. This is about 50 years after Daniel. And while some of the Jews at this time had returned back to Babylon to to re, excuse me returned back to Jerusalem to rebuild most of them had stayed where they were they had remained where they had been taken captive because the Babylonians were not in power any longer the Persians were under the kingship of Xerxes and under the kingship of Xerxes life wasn't bad for the Jews Life wasn't bad in the Persian Empire. They were able to worship their God. They were able to have businesses. They were able to buy and sell. They were actually being treated like people. Some of the Jews even went in and worked for the Persian king. They got to work in that house. This seemed to be the position of Mordecai. He was a uh, uh, he was one that was real close to the king and also a relative or guardian of Esther. And it was Mordecai who urged Esther to campaign for the position of queen when King Jersees deposed the, the previous queen, Vashiti. When he got rid of her, the Mordecai said, maybe you should go. You are beautiful. You have everything to be a queen. And you need to go and you need to try to be this queen. Well, Esther goes and she wins the competition. But she didn't let anyone know that she was a Jew. And so she is now the queen of Persia. And the king King Xerxes, he's, he's incredibly happy here. Well, not long after Esther's crowning, Mordecai learned about a plot against the king. And Mordecai's thinking, you know, this king has been great to us. He's been good to my family. He's been good to what's going on around here. So he reported to Esther and told Esther to go and tell Xerxes. Well, Xerxes, he's like, wow, thank you. And Mordecai is given credit for what has happened he's given credit for saving the king's life however nothing else was done there was no reward now life was really good for Mordecai and Esther for quite a while until Haman came into the picture Haman I always I always kind of look at his little man's disease we can see in the scripture he's got lots of money but no nobody respects him so he comes into the picture Haman and just like these kind of people do he, Haman's made chief amongst the nobles and one of the first things he says is everybody will bow down to me. You ever met those people that can't gain, can't earn respect so they get in a position where they just make you do something or try to? That's where Haman was. He said everyone will bow down to me when I walk into a room. When you're in my presence, you will bow down to show respect for me. Well, for whatever reason, Mordecai said, no, I ain't bowing down to you. Mordecai wouldn't do it. And this infuriated Haman, how dare you not bow down to me? When I walk into a room, you have to bow down. Well, this bothered Haman so much that he plotted Mordecai's death. And not only his death, he was so mad. He said, you know what? I'm going to take, I, I want, I'm going to take out every Jew. You don't want to bow down to me? I'll show you who's the man here. I'm, I'm going to take everybody out. So Haman goes to Xerxes. And he offers to donate a large sum of money to the treasury if you, will, as the Bible says, allow me to rid the empire of these meddlesome people. Now, Xerxes, he didn't ask no questions. He didn't really think about it. Here, Haman coming in. Haman said, I got lots of money, Xerxes. I'm going to put lots of money in their coffers. And I'm going to get rid of meddlesome people too. And in Xerxes' mind, he doesn't ask who he's talking about. He doesn't ask what these people are. He's just saying, man, you're telling me I have meddlesome people in my district. And I'm not even going to have to pay to get rid of them. You're going to pay me so you can get rid of them? Hey, I'm all in. And Xerxes is tricked and and Haman's thinking, ha, I got him. I'm going to get rid of all these Jews. But guys, let me tell you something. Haman wasn't just trying to go against the Jews here in reality he was going against God himself because God had already promised previously that there was going to be a savior born from these Jews so when Haman thought he was going to take out the Jews he thought he was going to go poke his finger in the eyes of of Mordecai and others what he really was doing was putting his finger in the eye of God and God doesn't play that nicely When it comes to that, just like when, when King Herod thought, well, I'll just go kill all the babies to make sure that Jesus doesn't make it out alive. This was the same thing. Just like King Herod, he was thwarted by the King, by the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Amen. Amen. Haman was not going to be allowed to take out all the Jews, even though he thought he had a, a foolproof plan, though he thought that these Jews, that who are they? They are no one. We can get rid of them. They're just meddlesome people. Well, when Mordecai learned about Haman's plot, He said, gosh, he's coming to, he's not just going to take me, and I hear the king's decree, he's coming for all of us. And he mourned, and he was broken, and he carried on until Esther said, what is the matter with you? She sent a messenger to find out, what is the matter with you, Mordecai? Being the queen, she doesn't hear these decrees. She doesn't really know what's going on in politics any longer. And Mordecai tells her and explains to her and urges Esther advocate on behalf of her people he says Esther he's coming to take us all down you've got to do something now Esther was rather reluctant what happened to Vashti Hmm, that could happen to me as well you know I'm just a queen and even though she was the queen and like what we have you know in America our our wives and all can they come in and very vociferously tell us what they think That doesn't happen in this atmosphere. If she goes in and and, and impetuously just goes into the king, barges into his chambers and says something, he could have her put to death. If she just walks in there into his presence and, and, and he perceives insolence, he can say, I'm done with you. So in her mind, she's thinking, I, I, I can't do this. And she starts arguing with Mordecai, I understand what you're saying. I understand how grave the situation seems to be. I understand that Haman has worked together this plot, but, but I have no stroke. I have no abilities here. I'm just the woman in the house. I'm just the queen. But listen to verse 14. Oh, excuse me, go back to chapter 4, 14. This is Mordecai speaking to Esther. And he looks her in the eye. And I can kind of picture him kind of stroking her hair and grabbing her shoulders because she's scared. No, she is nervous. Her people are about to perish. She's thinking, I'm not a warrior. I'm not a a battle-hardened soldier. I'm not someone on the king's level that can speak to him in such a fashion. I can't do these things. And I know my people are are, are scared, but but I can't do this. And Mordecai just reaches out and I can see him just holding her shoulders. And he says, If you keep silent at this time, liberation and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. What is Mordecai telling her? He's saying, Honey, here's the deal God is going to preserve his people. He is going to do it one way or another and I don't know how he's going to do it but I do know that he's calling you into a position and maybe right now for such a time as this sure you're not a warrior sure you're not on that king's level sure you have all these things why you think you cannot do it but you serve the one true God you serve the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and my God will save his people Esther but for such a time as this he has placed you where you sit you need to do something. Well, Xerxes he can't sleep one night, and he's 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 kind of tossing and turning in bed here. And Mordecai is—I mean, uh, Haman is gone. He started building gallows for Mordecai. He's got all these plans going on in his head, and everything's going great and in his mind. And the king says, "I can't sleep. Read read the history of my realm." Now I'm I'm sure just like he was thinking, that's got to be so boring it'll put me to sleep. Read me what has transpired in my realm. What has transpired in my life? And as the, the, the scribe is reading, he gets to the part about Mordecai. And the king remembers, wow, you know, he saved my life. And he jumps out of bed and he, he asks, Was there any, you didn't say anything about how we honored Mordecai. Well well we didn't, king. We didn't ever honor him. And the king is like this is in, unreal. So all of a sudden he's he's thinking, What am I going to do? Is there anyone around right now? Where's one of my royal advisors? Well, Haman just walked in. Now Haman's coming in because he's thinking, I'm going to ask the king if I can go ahead and hang Mordecai in the morning on my gallows I just had built. And he's all got his you know, if he had had his bibs on, he'd have his thumbs in his little things there, you know. He's got everything going on at this point. I'm going to hang Mordecai in the morning. God, you know, King's going to go with me on this. It's all a done deal. So the king says, bring him in here. And he's thinking, Mordecai refused to bow down before me. And I got an audience with the king. Boy, this is all going to, I'm going to teach him for making me angry. But before, be, before Haman could put forth his request, the king looks at him and says, Haman, what would you do? How would you suggest I honor a man that I truly want to honor? And in his arrogance, Haman's thinking, ha. Man, I've got, I'm all that and a bag of chips. You know, he wants to honor me. I'm good. Well, king, let me tell you what I would do. I would dress this man in a cloak and a robe that you, that you have worn yourself. I would put him on a horse that you have ridden yourself with your royal diadem on his forehead. And then I would parade him throughout the city. Can you imagine? It's a wonder Haman's heart didn't stop when Xerxes said to him, go ahead, go do that for Mordecai. Look at verse 10. The king told Haman, hurry and do just as you propose. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai the Jew who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave anything out that you have suggested. Everything you just thought you did for yourself, you just set up your number one enemy for. Go, do these things. Poor Haman, he had come to ask for Mordecai's execution and instead wound up organizing a promotional service. Amen? And walking him all around. And even Haman's family realized that, hey, Haman, you're, you're fighting something unseen here. If you were trying to take down Mordecai, those are the people of Daniel. Did you hear what they did this a little while back? Do you remember how Daniel stood his ground when he was with Babylon and with Nebuchadnezzar and then Belshazzar and, and, and how it came to pass that we came, that the Medes and the Persians even came in and took over this? You're messing with, with Mordecai? Are you crazy? And Haman, he, he's thinking, well, you know, I don't know, but then all of a sudden here comes this private envoy. Come, you're, you're, you've been invited to go to dinner with the queen. Now he just came back from one of these dinners the day before and surely puffed up with pride and pheasant and Noah, everything else. He thinks he's all that. And now he's asked to come to this dinner. And it's just the king, the queen, and me. That's what Haman's thinking. I, man, I have got it going on. You know, yes, I had to do that for Mordecai. But the queen herself has invited me to come to the table. What he didn't know that this was Esther's plan. Esther realized for such a time as this. So when Xerxes asked her, What can I do to thank you for this incredible dinner party? Esther, this was incredible. What can I do to thank you for this? In chapter 7, verse 3, Queen Esther answered, If I have obtained your approval, my king, and if the king is pleased, spare my life. This is my request and spare my people. This is my desire. For my people and I have been sold out to destruction, death, and extermination. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept silent. Indeed, the trouble wouldn't be worth burdening you, O king. For my people and I have been sold out to destruction, death, and extermination. And the king, he gets angry. He gets angry and he jumps up and says, Who would do such a thing? Who would dare touch my queen? Who would dare touch her people? And she points across the table at Haman. And the king looks over at Haman and he is furious. In fact, he is so angry and so mad. He looks at Haman and you may have been in this position before, but he was so mad he couldn't even speak. And he had to leave the room to regain his composure. And he's angry and he's trying to calm down. Well, while he's gone, Haman, he stuck around and to beg Esther for mercy. And as he goes to beg her for mercy, as he moves towards her, he trips over something and he falls right on top of the queen right when the king comes back in the room. And the king says, and now you're trying to molest my queen right here with me in the room? Are you stinking crazy? And immediately he had him taken out to the gallows that was built for Mordecai and had Haman hung on those gallows. Amen. And the people were saved. Now listen, turn over to the book Ephesians. I want to share something with you in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians Ephesians chapter 1, if I can get my Bible to cooperate here. Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, oh my goodness, thank you, jerk. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 18, notice what it says here. This is Paul speaking. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened So that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the glorious riches of his inheritance amongst the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the workings of his vast strength? He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his far right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority power and dominion and every title given not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way what is Paul trying to tell us there what is Paul speaking to us what is something that we can grab a hold of through the facts that we just read in the book of Esther through the things that transpired to save the Jewish people at that moment, the Holy Spirit can open our eyes through that story and take what Paul says right here and show us that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, reigns over everything for the benefit of his believers. Amen? Amen? Absolutely everything is at his command. What a unique story of Esther. But think about something here. He saved the Jewish people. He saved the people from which the Messiah would come from. But yet, he did not use angels. He didn't use any obvious miracles here to keep his people safe. He didn't have to bring in all of the legions of angels and and all these things. Instead, he simply worked quietly behind the scenes, controlling the smallest details, even the wrinkle in the carpet, if that's what it was, to trip Naam at the right time. I mean, Haman at the right time, so that he fell into the queen's lap. What I'm trying to point out here, guys, is that God's going to accomplish the task that he has set at hand, and he doesn't have to call in the angels to do it. He can just wrinkle the carpet if he wants to. That ill-timed stumble into the queen's lap cost him his entire plan, but God knew that from the very get-go. God used imperfect people to bring about his plan. So many times we start thinking that, well, why would God use me? Even though we may know for such a time as this you have been called. No, not me. I'm imperfect. I'm I'm imperfect. I can't be used. Take Mordecai, for example. Think about this for just a minute. Why had he been so eager for Esther to become the queen? Because it would bring power and prestige to the family. It wasn't because that was a godly thing. What cost was it to Esther's faith when she entered herself into the marriage with a foreigner? God, that was not a pleasing thing for Jews to do. Mordecai told her to go and become his, his queen because he wanted to get close to the king. He wasn't perfect. He was just an average guy saying, how can we make it better in this world? But yet God chose his bad decisions to use it for his good intentions. Just because we're not perfect doesn't mean that God will not use us. God allowed Esther's coronation and he used it for the benefit of his people, folks. Aren't you glad that we have a king who who can easily overcome the most determined and and powerful adversaries there are and he can do so by just speaking into a situation. By using any of us. We should be comforted to know that, that that regardless, you know, the big thing right now, I hear so many people getting in so many camps with our elected officials and all this stuff. And they might be just as corrupt as Haman was. Our called workers and our, our, our councilmen, they may seem like imbeciles on TV. Your neighbors, your friends, they may be just as clueless as Xerxes was. And you wanted to throw up your hands and quit and say, why, I can't make a difference. Why should I even care anymore? How can I continue to move about? Isn't it great that our future doesn't depend on anybody that lives in Washington, Austin, or anywhere else. Our future lays within the hands of the one who ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And it isn't about what a threatening man can do in an office. It's what my God can do over all things. That's what matters. That's why we should not lose hope. Whether it be our political system, whether it be within our families, whether it be in our medical condition, it isn't what the doctor has to say that's the final say. It's what my God has to say is the final say. It's not what a politician tells me is the final say. It's what my God says is the final say. And if I am to be a part of that, that doesn't mean stick my head in the sand and my bottom in the air. It means for such a time as this, God says go ye and do ye whatever it is he's called you to do. You know, David spoke a while ago about one of the things that he said that I, I preached too long before. I disagree, but whatever. <laughs> but I will say this, there has, there is a change in the way I study and the way I, I look at things and the way I, I present things now. And the change was, the, and maybe it was wrought that first six months or a year after the tragedy, but the thing that really came to mind was every time I saw the car, I would say for such a time as this. And now every sermon, every Bible study, every political speech, everything I do now, I say for such a time as this, God, what would you have me to do? My brother mentioned being nervous earlier. I would say I wouldn't be nervous, but I always was afraid of getting up behind the pulpit and distorting the word of God or moving in the wrong direction. So I would be so so careful. And now I realize to let go and let God, for such a time as this, he's placed me in his place. And if, I, if he has placed me here, then there, the wrinkle in the carpet or the cold in the air or the screen falling off the wall, whatever it may be, it's God's done, doing, not mine. And guys, that's not just me, that's for every one of us. When we stop and start realizing, I don't have to be disappointed if I don't see an angel walking beside me on that dark road. I don't have to be disappointed or afraid if God's not some miraculous way sending me an email that my meager bank account is up here now. I don't have to worry about these things that, that, that I want to see manifestations. Why? Because I know that he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, forever on the throne. And for such a time as this, whatever it is, he's still in control. Even the smallest details, my God is in control. Uh, it's still in control. Well, well F- Pastor Frank, you don't understand. I lost my job and it, this was a horrible time to be unemployed. When's a good time to be unemployed? Just give it to the Lord. But you know, I, the, the, my travel time is this, there, there's such a delay. I'm going to be late to this event and I'm getting so angry. But guys, my God's in control of everything. And he may have had that traffic backed up right there because you didn't see what was going to happen if you didn't have that back up. Every little detail in every little thing is under his feet, Paul tells us. And we need to realize, for such a time as this, the wrinkle in the carpet is there. The car wreck is there. I lost my job. Whatever it may be, as long as I am praying and focusing on Christ and being all I can be for what God has called me to do to the best of my ability, that I can hold my head high and I can say, I really should have been more on time, but I did to the best of my ability. And God's in control. Folks, Isn't it awesome that we serve a God that's not sitting by a poolside in retirement in heaven right now? He's still actively involved in every one of our lives. He still has it all laid out for us. Now you may be asking, well, yeah, Pastor, you don't understand. Um, That that Satorian Nestor, that sounds good because those are the Israelites. Those Those are God's chosen people. Those are his favorite people. Of course God took care of them. Of course God's not going to uh, you know, let them something fall. But what about you? What about me? We're just regular people. When, when Haman told Xerxes that the best way to honor an individual was to put on that robe of the king and to go forth and parade them throughout the community, for throughout, the, village, throughout the, the, the township, Christ did the same. Haman said, put, my, put a robe from the king upon him. What did the apostle Paul say in Galatians chapter 3 verse 27? If you remember, Paul is looking at the people, he's looking at the Galatian church, and he says, all of you who were baptized into Jesus Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. When we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have put on the robe of righteousness of God. What did he say in the book of Esther? When you put the robe of the king upon him and parade him around the town, everybody's going to know that he is the one who is honored by the king. Folks, we have put on the robe of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And in that robe, as we parade ourselves, and I don't mean self-righteously, but when we are walking amongst the world and we are doing what he has called us to do we can present ourselves as christians not because we wear a cross on our shirt or wear a t-shirt but because i have been robed by god hallelujah we are no longer standing before god in a fig leaf fashion like adam and eve hoping he forgets last week's arrogance or last week's petulance we can stand before him now and say father forgive me through baptism and through the the coming of Christ into our lives, we have declared, he has declared us a favored child of God, dressed to walk into heaven. Hallelujah. When Mordecai put his hands on the shoulders of Esther and said, honey, God will have his way. He will do what needs to be done but maybe you were put here right now for such a time as this. She said, but, but, but I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say all that. I'm saying my God is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and you've been put in a place for such a time as this. Every single one of us in this room or watching by live feeds, either one of them, wherever you may be. The great thing that we can acknowledge right now, that it's not just the pastor, it's not just this brother or that sister. Every one of us, wherever we are at, did not catch God by surprise and he has laid out a walkway in front of us. And we should walk down that way knowing that we have been dressed with heavenly success and we can go forth and parade just like Mordecai was and that doesn't mean strutting around like like a peacock. Better than everyone else. No, it means going out there and say, this is who I am. That strutting around like a peacock, that was Haman's game, not ours. For such a time as this. You know, Martin Luther, the father of Protestantism, the father of Lutheranism, he said it really well. He said, a Christian is a free Lord of all, but subject to no one but a Christian also is a servant to all, subject to everyone. In other words, I can do whatever the Lord has called me to do, but I'm to do so humbly and present his name wherever I go. For such a time as this, I know that all the folks that went on to be with the Lord, not just in tragedy, but in any fashion, that knew Jesus Christ. But here... When I think of Carla, and I think of Carla often, still. But I know that she would also have that smile and say, for such a time as this. I'm retired, and I could hear her a little laugh and her little finger thingy. But you have to keep going. For such a time as this, God has called you to stand. Amen. And I would present to you this morning that Christ is saying the same to you. Whatever it may be, God speaking to you, you may know what it is already. Maybe you're 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 waiting to see what it is, but whatever it is that God is calling you to do for such a time as this, serve with the one who ascended. And take that ascension confidence into your heart and go forth and do whatever it is and labor, not because you feel like you have to, not because you think you know it all, but because the King of Kings, Lord of Lords has laid out a pathway and you may not understand it, but the wrinkle in the carpet that's going to trip your adversary is already there. Just trust him and walk. Now you can't do that if you don't know who he is. He'll still use you to bring about his plans but wouldn't it be great if you were on his team? Wouldn't it be great to know that the one that has been given the world, as Paul said in Ephesians, that the world is his footstool and everything thereon. He has the capability of, per- of touching and moving every facet of this world. Wouldn't it be great to know that I'm on his side? Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... You're on the adversary's side. It's one or the other. There is no in between. You either have accepted him as your Lord in your life or you have not. And I'm not, I'm not saying, have you said a prayer? There's a whole lot of people that says the, word, says the words, but it hasn't moved in the heart. When Paul said that you have been clothed with the robe of righteousness, that's when that heart opened up and poured out the ugly and let the good come in. Now, you may be here today and you say, well, pastor, I'm just too far gone. All things are in his control. As long as there's breath in your body. He said, whomsoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you, I implore you. Make that decision now before you're hung on the gallows that were intended for Mordecai. If you do know him as your Lord and Savior, and maybe you're incredibly nervous, maybe God's called you to teach a class somewhere. Maybe he's telling you to work with the the youth or the children or or teach an adult class. Or maybe he's telling you to witness to your friend at work or to your husband or your children. Whatever it is, and you're making excuses as why you cannot do it, ask the Lord, say, Father God, is this why I'm here? For such a time as this, are you going to make the path for me to step out on? And if he says yes, quit arguing and just step out. Now, I would be lying if I told you that I don't still really pray on Saturday night or Sunday morning when I'm in here praying before you guys get here. I'm still praying and saying, Lord, I don't want to say anything that's not of you. But I will say that I come forth and I speak it now where before I always was hoping at the end that I said it. Now, when I step off the stage, I say, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be a part of your ministry like one more day. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. For such a time as this, he's called me to be in this place. And that means I can sit right there and Brother Ray can come up and speak or Brother David or whomever, and I'm still just as good as right there because for such a time as this, he said, shut your mouth and sit in the chair. I've learned it's not about my timing or yours, it's about his. And the more we relinquish that time to him for such a time as this, the more the peace that surpasses all understanding comes into our hearts. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, then you probably, you're, you're trying to grasp what I'm saying, but not really. It's like seeing through a glass darkly. Grab a hold of his garment this day. If you're here and you do know him, Maybe today's the day to step out and make that commitment, to make that phone call. Brother, can I come over and pray with you? I want to ask for forgiveness. Or brother, I want to come over and let you know that I'm sorry for holding that grudge. Brother, I just want to come and I just want to teach. I want to show. I want to do this for such a time as this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's all stand. Father God, I come before you right now and I thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in your house, knowing that we know that we know that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And Father, I can feel the the fear that Esther had the fear of thinking how you would use a woman in that position to save an entire people. She knew she wasn't worthy. But she also knew that for such a time as this, you placed her where she stood. And though she did not know what was going to happen, she trusted you. And you put the wrinkle in the carpet at the right time. Father, I lift each one of us up in here. May you do the same. And may we acknowledge it and see it for what it is. May we see you moving in our lives. And when we can't see you moving, may we just accept that you are. And Father, for those that do not know you, may you speak into their heart and ear right now. And may they truly surrender their life to you before it's too late. For such a time as this, you died on that cross, you ascended 40 days later, and now shine down upon us today so that we can make the decision that you've called us to make. May your will be done this day, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. This, this altar will be open. You can come to the altar. I'd love to pray with you. You can get on your knees up here. You can pray right where you're at. But will you do what the Lord's called you to do this morning as we sing, Chris?
1: I you hurting and broken fear? Oh, well. born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today no reason to wait, Jesus is called. Bring sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born, Jesus is come. Oh come to Precious blood Of Jesus Christ Oh, what a Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before Him. For He is Lord. Sing Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open.
2: his arms are open amen if you believe that this morning say hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. it's good seeing everybody this morning I pray remember for such a time as this God has called you to where you may be you may not understand it you may not know what you can do but walk with your head high because you've been clothed by the robe that your king has worn you are put upon the horse that he has given you through the word of God and he said go forth into the world And parade who he is. That's how he honors us today. And closes us to enter into his kingdom when we get there. That doesn't mean be self-righteous and pious. It means go forth and just be what God's called you to be. Amen? Good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up and trusting him. And just go where he tells you to go. In Jesus' name. Brother Ray, will you close us in prayer, brother?
1: Burning bush said the other day, I should come over here and stay. Got to get my people out of Pharaoh's hand, lead them all over to the promised land. We're saying Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh hey, let my people go. Gotta go ah, yeah, 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 yeah Well, all of God's people came to the scene With their moves on coming after me Raise my rod, stuck it in the sand Don't guide me for a cross drive say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh Oh, baby, you my people go. Yeah, 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 yeah Pharaoh, Pharaoh Oh, baby, we gotta go To you. what do you think that I did do? I raised my life, with my role And all on me the powers I knew the next and blow oh yeah. Let my people go Hey